Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 967. If you're fortunate to, to reach retirement age, and I have a lot of friends that unfortunately didn't, you know, try to try and enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the things that you haven't had a chance to do. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Rick Neville. Hey, Rick, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Rick Neville has embarked on a career as a bon vivant and reconteur after retiring from a 35-year career as a federal prosecutor. With a high-pressure lifestyle in his proverbial rearview mirror, he now has time to spend on his first automotive love, Austin Healey's. If he's not in the garage under the bonnet of his Bug Eye Sprite or his 345-horsepower Ford-engined Big Healey, he'll be found in the library researching and writing articles for a multitude of Healy magazines. So, Rick, I've told our listeners just a tiny little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for those British cars? Sure, Mark. I think that, you know, I'm just one of your basic kids that grew up in the 50s and 60s and and never quite grew up. I always enjoyed cars and automotive stuff when I was a kid. And, you know, it started with everything from bicycles and model cars, slot cars, uh, and eventually, you know, having my own car. I always thought when I was going to grow up and I was going through high school, I was pretty good at that math and science. And uh, I actually was accepted to General Motors Institute because I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. Oh, wow. And I went down that road. And uh, you, at the time, you needed a, a General Motors division in, order, in addition to being accepted to the schools to sponsor you. It was a co-op program. Mm-hmm. And although I got in the school, I, I I didn't get to the places I wanted to go to at GM, although they, they brought me into Detroit for about a three or four day interview. It was like going to the Army. And uh, they uh, I never quite matched up with the place that uh, I wanted to work for. I think the last place they offered me was uh, GM Truck and Coach in Flint, Michigan. Mm. And uh, as a guy who envisioned in the 60s working on Corvettes and Camaros at the Proving Ground, it wasn't quite what I had in mind. No kidding. So I, I ended up going uh, to Northeast University in Boston uh, to take an engineering class. Uh, that didn't quite work. Uh, the way. I found out I wasn't as smart as I thought I was Uh-oh. once I get into college calculus and physics. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so at some point, I uh, I moved over to be a political scientist because it was that or uh, uh, I could be well drafted into the service. So yeah. that was an alternative uh, point and then I ended up going to law school and became a federal prosecutor. Well, there you go. Wow, what an illustrative career. Well, we're going to learn more about you and your passion for Healy's in a moment. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Rick, take the wheel. I think it's uh, a pretty common one. You have to grow old, but you don't have to grow up. And I've, I've, tried, to, <laughs> I've tried to embody that. Now, as a prosecutor... I've got to imagine that's a pretty grown-up job. That's a pretty high-pressure job, but I like the attitude you have. Well, thank you. Yes, it was it was high pressure. However, you know, there's uh, when you're in a working environment, uh, you know, not everything's high pressure, and you can you can have a little fun along the way too. Yeah, absolutely, it's so important, and that's why I love having you on the show, Rick, because 
You're a guy that I think can embody the concept that even if you have a career in something else, if you have a passion, you can really fully engulf yourself in it, especially in the car hobby, because there's so many ways to get involved and do things. Let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy? I think probably when I was really as like six years old, my my parents had got me a one of those old pedal cars that seemed to weigh about 200 pounds. You know, the real heavy. Oh, yeah. I had you one. Know, not, <laughs> I had a garden and, pedal car. <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, – my dad used to work for a, a propane gas delivery business, and uh, one of his uh, coworkers had a, a truck that he, he named Deadhead. And uh, I took my pedal car and painted it all over uh, using some some house paint and some brushes and, <laughs> and uh, inscribed on the side of it Deadhead Junior. And I, I was a hot rodder from then on. So oh. I think that was that was probably the beginning of it. Well, your pedal car sounded cooler than mine. I had a yellow Kittelak made by Garten when I was quite young. But uh, yeah, I wish I'd had a hot rod instead of a big Kittelak. So. Now, this thing was was like uh, after it might have been out of the forties or something. It was it was so big and so heavy. I don't know. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about a challenge or a big failure that you face along the way. These things are important in life because they teach us really valuable lessons. A guy who has a passion for British cars, they can tend to be a bit of a challenge. So maybe you want to talk about something in that vein. Rain, I, I should say, but take us down a path, show us or tell us, I should say, about an experience that you had and tell us how the learning from that helped you gain even more momentum in your career, your business or your life. Well, I think there were a couple of couple of them that really stand out. My failure as a, a budding mechanical engineer, I think, was one and led me to kind of turn around and go in a different direction in my life. And, and then after I had graduated from law school and had to take the bar, I, I, I had a lot of things going on in my life, and I, I flunked it the first time around. Mm. And uh, it was it was obviously um, not very pleasant at the time. And uh, I the worst part was I had a job which required me to uh, pass the bar within a year. So I started working um, and being kind of embarrassed about not passing the bar because right. I was always an honest student. And uh, was studying for the bar and, and working at the same time with uh, impending wedding ahead and uh, all that other stuff. But I think, uh, you know, I, I passed it the second try. And I think it's just like most things in life. If you, if at first you don't succeed, you just have to either give up or you, or you keep on trying to move through it. And that's, you know, pretty much what I was able to do. Was move oh, through it. Absolutely. Well, what would be a great takeaway suggestion or offer of wisdom you might offer somebody out there that might be facing that? Because a lot of these, if you're taking... Uh, the bar exam, or in the case, my wife is an engineer, so she had to take an engineering exam young in her career, and she was eight and a half months pregnant when she went through it. So she was exhausted from working full-time, being pregnant, then studying for this California State Engineering license. What would be a, a little word of wisdom you might offer, or encouragement is a better word, for someone who's dealing with the same kind of thing? There's an end to all this. That's what you have to keep on thinking <laughs> yeah. about is that, you know, there's a, there's a distant road ahead and you're going to have to slog through it. And, and you know, the reward is uh, waiting at the end of the road, but you, you're just going to have to buckle down and do it. There's, there's not really any other choice. It's either that or or you go off and, and, and fail. And, and most of us who are performance-driven don't want to fail in life. They, they, they were brought up with that. You don't want to fail. It's embarrassing. You feel you let yourself down, your friends, your family. Yeah. And so you just have to keep on doing it. Yeah, there's a great quote by uh, Sir Winston Churchill, when marching through hell, just keep marching. 
And I think that's the takeaway you've taught me today is, you know what, just keep keep slugging through, keep trying, seek help, get advice, and be persistent. So we're so glad you did. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when uh, the road kind of gets illuminated for a new direction for you. What was yours? In addition to being a, a, a trial lawyer, I was also a manager of other trial attorneys. And uh, if you've ever tried to manage a bunch of trial attorneys, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the easiest. Uh, it's like walking fish, huh? I, I'd like to say herding cats, but they really <laughs> could be really mean cats. Yeah. So you watch out for them. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think what I, I learned was that it's the first place you have to hire good people. And, and that's not easy in and of itself, but you have to try. And once you've found out that you've hired a good person, you kind of let them go on their own and don't micromanage them and, and, and trust them to do what what you hired them to do in the first place and the qualities that you, you know, be good for you, for your environment. Yeah. And if you do that, you know, people tend to respect you more and listen to you more than if you're always breathing down their neck and say, you know, you, you got to do it my way, try this way. And I think on the other hand, you also have to be, a person that's available for them to, to be comfortable in coming to uh, to ask questions and, and to learn from. Okay, let's have a little bit of fun here and talk about your first really special car. Uh, maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle as well. My first car was, a, fittingly enough, a 59 Bug Eye Sprite. Mm. And it had belonged to my cousin. And, you know, growing up, I was always uh, into, you know, really just about every kind of automobile. I liked uh, sports cars. I liked drag racing. I liked custom cars. I liked cart rides. And when I turned 16 and was old enough to drive and was looking for a car, uh, this happened to present itself. And I took all the $350 uh, that I had earned (laughs) mowing lawns over the summer and bought it from my my cousin. And... uh, it was uh, uh, ratty and rusty and had been uh, abused and probably burnt some oil. You know, the, the joke at the time was, you know, you go to the gas station, get gas, water, and oil, a gallon of each. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, – but it, it taught me a lot of things. It, it taught me – I learned how to drive a standard transmission with my cousin next to me, and, and, and she kind of took me out of the out in the back roads of where I lived and said, this is how you do it. And uh, nice. I think I had a half-hour lesson, and, you know, I was on my own soon after. So that, that was a lot of fun. But I guess what – the thing I, uh, most about that that I, I remember is it really taught me about uh, working on cars. It, it was – you know, I always worked on my own bikes and, and other kind of stuff growing up. And, uh, you know, get a, get a workshop manual from the local uh, MG Austin Healy dealer and, and just started tearing into it uh, at the time. And, you know, for the things that I couldn't figure out on my own, there was a local garage I could turn to. But most of the stuff, because, you know, it was, we were in high school, you didn't have a lot of money. You, you try to learn from your friends or uh, on your own. Absolutely. How about Sellers Remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you wish you had back? You know, I've had a lot of a lot of great cars over the years, and uh, you know, like like a couple of Fiat 124 Spiders, a couple of an X19, uh, a Firebird uh, four-speed convertible, a Camaro Z28. But you know, I always one of the things that I always do is I always try to keep my cars. I try to buy a new one if I can, and I usually end up keeping it for ten or twelve years, and and usually wearing the hell out of it. So by the time that I'm done with it, I'm happy to you know, see it go down the road and, <laughs> yeah. and willing for the next guy to come in and into the garage. Wow. So I don't, I don't have a lot of a lot of seller's remorse. I get a lot of buyer's remorse, but but or not being able to buy it, I think, is the buyer's remorse I've had. Oh yeah, we all have that for sure. Cars we wish we could have. 
Well, I know that you do some writing for Austin Healy magazines and so forth. So what are some of the kind of the things you do and what has you excited this year for uh, the fun stuff you're going to be doing with old British cars? Well, I do a lot of uh, writing. I like to do historical things, uh, you know, looking at the the history of the cars and and trying to find, you know, both of my career as a, a, you know, before I was a, uh, an attorney, I worked uh, for a number of years as a newspaper reporter, and I think in all, all three of these career paths, research is is, is really the the bottom line of all it, and and I like to think of myself as being a good researcher. So I like to do research on in-depth research on on the history of the cars, and uh, you know my goal usually is to try to find something different that. That people don't know about that mm. people uh, has kind of passed by people or or they've forgotten about. Most recently, I, I did a piece for the the Austin Healey Mark on the end of the the big Healey in 1967 and and the reasons behind it. It was it was quite interesting to find out that you know we here in the states always were told or thought that one of the reasons or the big reasons behind it was because those cars could not meet the the safety regulations and the emission regulations that came into effect in in 68. Mm-hmm. And but it turns out that there was a lot of other things going on. There was there was a, a desire in the British Motor Corporation to bring the production lines closer together between MG and Austin Healey. And, and for a long, number of years, there had been plans to kind of combine the two cars between the MG and Austin Healey and, and make one car instead of two. And, and that's exactly what they ended up doing. They they had two separate models uh, that were basically what the MGC turned out to look like. Uh, one was to be badged as an MG. The other one was to be badged as an Austin Healey. And Donald Healey looked at the one that was supposed to be the Austin Healey and, and would have none of it. And that was basically <laughs> what happened to the to the end of the car. So it was not as we always thought to be regulations that that did the man. It was really the the way that the British Motor Corporation was was working at the time, and they they really weren't in favor of, of having two separate cars at the time. Cool. Thanks for sharing that very interesting story. I didn't know that. So very very nice. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Rick. If you were a car, what kind of car would Rick be, and why? <laughs> You know, I thought about this, and I, I thought that uh, I, I would like to think of myself as a Porsche 911S. You know, I like to think of myself being intelligent and, and stylish and sensible with performance and, and vintage. And then I thought some more, and when you talked about bias remorse, one car that I kind of missed, I, I had this 96 Chevy Caprice that I bought with about 6,000 miles on it when it was about 15 to 20 years old. It, it was nothing special. It was a big luxury car with a, a LT1 Chevy motor in it, V8, mm-hmm. and it had Flowmasters. It was basically a big, big American car, and I think I'm probably, you know, I'd like to think of myself as being a 911S. I'm probably more like that old, uh, you know, <laughs> Chevy, Chevy Caprice. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you get honest with yourself. That's usually where we all end up, but I like you, your thought process of going through that. I'm a big fan of Porsches. I had a 72 911S. They're marvelous cars, really fun cars, but uh, I like the way you answered the question, Rick. Thanks for thinking that through. Up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 19. 19- 75. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, 
and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with cover craft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com, and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Rick, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best I've ever received, and I restored two Heelys, the best I've ever received is buy the best car you can afford. And it's great advice. However, it turns out the best car that most of us can afford isn't very good a car because we don't have unlimited amounts of money. So we <laughs> yeah. all end up buying cars that are cheap and, and spending outrageous amounts of money to fix them up over time. But it's still great advice. If you get the money, buy the best car you can afford. Oh, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? I, I'm not afraid to try new things as far as automotive stuff goes. I, mm. you know, right from when I was young, uh, I'll try something. I'll try to fix something. I'll, I'll get the, I'll, I'll get a book. Uh, I'll get a work uh, user's manual. I'll get under the hood. I'll, I'll go online. I'll go to forums. I'll go on YouTube and and try to figure out stuff that I can fix myself. And I'll do as much as I can on my own. And you know, always knowing that there's people to rely on. If you and there's always a, you know, it's usually pretty much broken by the time you get around to fixing it. Or if you break it, you can find somebody else who'll fix it. So it's 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 kind of fun. The part part is trying to figure out what you can fix in yourself. And if you if you don't fix it yourself, it's not that big a deal. You can always find someone else that will will help you through it. Well, it's a nice segue to the, my next question, and that is resources. Uh, you named several there that are really helpful if you're trying to work on your car yourself. But is there one that stands out for you you could share? One that I really enjoy as a resource, and it's not what we were talking about, is online forums and, and manuals and, and you know car clubs and friends in car clubs. But one thing that you really can look at is your local vocational technical school. Mm. I've taken uh, – when I was growing up, when I was, I was in college and stuff, I used to spend some time hanging out in a body shop. So I, I, I knew the – uh, the basics of body work, et cetera. And I was, I was able, my 
big Healy with a V8 motor. That was a former SCCA race car. One of the attractions to that car, it didn't have the V8 in it at the time, but it had been used in racing here in the Northeast. And most Healy's uh, that lived a life in the Northeast, they, were, they rusted away pretty quickly. Right. This car was taken off the road fairly quickly and turned into a race car. So although it had been dinged up and banged up and had a, a turquoise paint job on it, it was pretty rust-free. So it was a really good candidate for restoration. Uh, and I, uh, I enrolled in a, in a local uh, text class that uh, allowed you to do body work and bring your car in and do body work on the car. And, and I was just able to do a, a lot of uh, a lot of the fixing of a repairing of dents and a, a little bit of minor rust repair and sanding it out, priming it, sanding it, blocking it. Uh, I was a little too cautious that uh, about spraying it myself in the final coats because it was a nice blue metallic and I don't want to see tiger stripes up and down the side. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I saved a lot of money. And I, I, I had a lot of friends. Usually you go to one of these tech classes and there are other folks like yourself, guys that like to work on cars. You make some new friends uh, and all the equipment is there. I, I, I'm doing a, a project now on a, a, a louvered hood scoop. I have a louvered hood, not a scoop, mm-hmm. to put on my car. And uh, I needed a uh, a spot welder to uh, put some cross bracing back in it. The the local body shop class I'm in now, they had a twenty five thousand dollars spot welder that uh, yeah. you know was just that you know not the kind of thing that the home builder is going to have sitting around his garage. So it's just a great resource. And they have besides body shop classes, they have mechanical classes. We visited a welding class where guys chopping a top on a fifty something Dodge pickup truck. It's just a really great thing, and the price to, to enroll is, is pretty cheap. And if you're a senior citizen like myself, they're, they're even cheaper. Very good advice. That's clever. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? I think Donald Healy. <laughs> yes. I, I was lucky I was lucky enough a few times to, to buy Donald a drink. He used to come over to the States in the late 70s, early 80s to uh, to come to a club events and, and events and I got to talk to him a few times and he was just such a a really nice man and and, and somebody that you know you wouldn't think of being as a, the head of an automobile company but he was perfectly comfortable sitting down and chatting with people and and had a great sense of humor and he was just a fun person to talk to despite whether he was you know Donald Healy uh, he was he was a great guy to drink with. I'd like to have another drink with him and talk to him some more. Well, very fortunate you did get to spend some time with him. That's pretty darn cool. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you'd like to share with our audience? I'm one of these guys that you know is, is fairly easily pleased. I, I like the whole Jack Reacher series by by Lee Child. You know, don't don't confuse the Jack Reacher you see that Tom Cruise plays in the movies. You you really have to read the books to to really appreciate the Jack Reacher kind of knight or aunt who goes around the, the country and, and and solves problems for people. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these very cool resources Rick has shared on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Rick Neville in E V I L L E. You'll find links to all these cool cool references. All right, Rick, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. Doesn't matter what it costs because I'm paying. I'll park it in your garage. What's it going to be and why? Could we do 10 of these? No, I'm sorry. You know, with as many guests as I've had and you're number 967, I wish I could afford to buy 10 cars for everybody. But no, you got to pick just one. 
I guess it would be between, uh, and narrow it down to two, or probably a Ferrari F40 or, or a McLaren F1. Ooh, uh, okay. Well, they're, <laughs> they're, they're both incredible supercars. They're both, uh, you know, race cars for the street. Um, I think, you know, since I've wanted a Ferrari, since I probably can first remember, I would, I would probably give the nod to the Ferrari. Uh, so, you know, in my view, it's it's the ultimate race street Ferrari. Oh my gosh, yeah! Wow, you picked a pretty special car. I mean, both those cars are so so cool, so so unique, and uh, kind of back in the analog age, if you will, with both those cars before everything got so crazy with electronics and technical things but uh pretty raw cars that's for sure and quite a stretch outside of the austin healy world too i'm kind of surprised well just because you know the healy's are, are the the old school vintage stuff that reminds me of my childhood and and the the, the supercars i've always loved supercars and and you know the healy's are something affordable i've never been able to afford a ferrari or a McLaren, so those are aspirational cars other than the ones that uh, i can actually afford to put in my garage i understand i understand well we'll go with the f40 that's pretty cool what color would you like yours to be probably fly yellow oh okay pretty cool pretty cool yeah i'm Trying to think if I've seen one in fly yellow. Most of them are Rosa Corsa red or black or silver. But yeah, yellow would be pretty cool. So I'll get to work on that, Rick. <laughs> you broke Should in I the bank moving? today. <laughs> can I can I move the uh, the cars around the garage to well, make a space? Yeah, yeah, maybe start in a few weeks. You know, the we're recording this during the Barrett Jackson auction, so maybe you want to run across the block. I can uh, wave my paddle high and get you one of those cars. But find, I appreciate find, it. You're welcome. Finding a yellow one is going to be a bit of a challenge, but I know they're out there. But I'll get to work, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll take uh, Ross, of course, okay. if it has to be okay. that. Okay. Well, thanks for making it a little easier on me. I appreciate that. Oh, man. You've taken me on a great ride today, Rick. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Ferrari F40? My advice is if you're, if you're fortunate to, to reach retirement age, and I have a lot of friends that unfortunately didn't, you know, try to try to enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the things that you haven't had a chance to do. I've, I've, this is almost a, a second career for me, really getting a chance to, to work on my cars and, and, and enjoy writing and learning more about them. And, and uh, I'm, I'm busy organizing uh, Austin Healy Club events. For, in, as a matter of fact, we have a, a big event called the Healy Seaside Summit coming up in, in Beverly, Massachusetts in the first week in August. And uh, if you'll be so kind, I'll give you a link to our website. Yes, please do. But, but just, uh, you know, it, the, the opportunity to, to kind of be a kid again uh, is, <laughs> uh, is a great opportunity. But actually, this time with being a kid with actually enough money to buy some of the things that you'd like to buy and do some of the things that you'd like to do yeah. and, and not have, uh, you know, your parents tell you you can't do it. Although <laughs> I, I have been married for 40 years, and so I, I have certain restraints. And my wife does refer to me as the Mr. of Fun, but she, she, <laughs> she tolerates most of it. Well, it's important to marry the right person. It sounds like you married the right lady. Well, tell us, uh, what is the link to the website where this event's going to take place? You can go to www.ahca-newengland.org, 
and look for the uh, Healy Seaside Summit uh, links on, on the main page. And that's also, uh, I'll give to you, if you can share it with your listeners, a, I'll send you a copy of the, the main link that will take you right to the registration information. There you go. And is there a good way for our listeners to follow along with what you're doing? Do you have, Are you on Facebook? Are you active in any social clubs or forums? I'm on Facebook. Okay. Under Rick, under Rick Neville. There you go. Uh, I'm usually on the, you can usually find me on the, uh, the, the British car forum, uh, under the name of Healy Rick. You'll actually, if you see Healy Rick anywhere on a number of forums with a MG or bring a trailer, uh, that's me. There you go. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these great links on Rick's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Rick Neville. And I'll make sure all the links are up there. Rick, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Sounds like you're having fun in your second career and what some of us call retirement, but I'm glad to hear you having a good time. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Well, thank you, Mark, for spending some time with me. It was very enjoyable uh, chatting with you. Keep those Heelys going. Absolutely. Pleasure was all mine. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! A fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!